Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. everybody so glad you could join us tonight and share your time with us we've got an amazing show tonight uh, first I do want to thank Ken Quiethawk for his amazing intro he and his wife Deb um, are native storytellers and if you google them online you'll be able to find some of their material it's fascinating it's wonderful and enlightening and I think we should all educate ourselves as to how history was preserved before the written word. It is magical in and of itself. Tonight we've got a very cool guest, one that I'm so looking forward to that in two weeks he's going to be on the Monday night show with me. So um, I want to get started fast because all of his material is fascinating and Mark has got quite a job ahead of him getting as much of the information in there as he possibly can. So, Mark, um, I'm so excited about this guest. I am. I think it's going to be a fabulous, fabulous show. Yeah, it's going to be a fabulous show. It's going to be a more of like a mini series. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. It's a, I also want to say happy birthday to you. Thank you very much. Okay. So yeah. Okay. So yeah, we have. Uh, I have like books and notes all over the place. So uh, ho- hopefully, we can make uh, th- this a coherent discussion with the overwhelming amount of information I have all over the place. But you know, we're going to. Uh, I think the listeners are going to be I- impressed. But you know, here we'll get started. Yeah, you know, t- tonight shows like. Yeah, you know, the one we did about a month ago with Dr. Andrew Silverman. When I was just uh, starting out in this radio career, uh, you know, I was working behind the scenes with hosts, and, and Dr. Silverman had some publications you know, just out with some other researchers, and um, yeah, they were making their uh, appearances on you know a lot of the internet radio shows about ten years ago, and you know, I'm I met our guest tonight in you know, the same way. And, uh, and that was, 
you know, probably around the time his The Secret History of Extraterrestrials just came out. And when I saw he had a new book, uh, I was you know, going to be released this spring. You know, uh, you know that was back in like December. Or so, uh, you know, I told Barbara, oh, you know, when you get uh, Len as a guest, trust me on this one. You know, you you really like him. So, uh, so tonight I'm going to be reviewing a couple of Len's uh, books in anticipation of the release of his Dark Fleet, which comes out next week. And like Barbara said, in a couple weeks, uh, Len and you will be doing um, just a review of the really fascinating Dark Fleet. Um, Len Caston is the longtime is a longtime UFO researcher, member of MUFON, and National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomenon, and author of The Secret History of Extraterrestrials, Secret Journey to Planet Serpo, and Alien World Order, and Dark Fleet, which will be available next week from Inner Traditions. Colin, it's nice to reconnect with you, and thank you for being our guest tonight. And nice, to, nice to be with you again, Mark. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it, it's been a long time, but this is I think about our third show together, and I'm really excited about it. Um, yeah, you know, you know we have yes, you know, so much to cover tonight. Um, yeah, I, I, I was thinking. Maybe we just kind of start in the middle, work our way back th- throughout history, then you know move forward, uh, uh, you know back back into like the 20th century, and I, you know you have so many uh, different threads of extra trail terrestrial uh, themes that, you know, are woven together uh, throughout all your uh, books that, uh, yeah, I think we do need two shows. But, um, you know, Roswell really wasn't the the first uh, UFO you know, crash landing uh, might be one of the most popular ones, but um, you you do do talk about the uh, Kingman uh, crash that happened a little bit before Roswell. Can can you give us a a little bit of information on that case study? Well, the, the Kingman... Kingman crash did not occur before Roswell. Uh, it wasn't actually a crash, though. It was a landing. Kingman was a landing. Okay. Uh, that was an agreed upon. It was an agreed upon uh, landing where the aliens were giving us one of their craft uh, to back to back engineer. That was that was a deliberate event. 
Okay. So I think and I'm you're noting that uh, that meeting was you know, kind of like a pattern for the um, Close Encounters movie. Are there some parallels to it? Well, close, close Encounters had to do with the Serpo, the journey to Planet Serpo. That that took mm-hmm. place in 1965. That was 1965. That's when we sent 12 people to a distant planet. 12 Americans. Mm-hmm. You were aware of that, right? Yeah. Yeah. The movie. The movie was based on that event. Yeah. Close Encounters was based on that event. Okay. And so, you know, we have the uh, Kingman case. Uh, you know, you know, you cover Roswell, uh, and you know, there uh, you know, the uh, military is learning uh, about the anti gravity. Um, and, and information uh, from, from you know the craft. Uh, you have one surviving um, ET. Uh, you know, what, what are some of the other bits of information that really stand out from the the uh, Roswell incident? Well, the Roswell incident was the beginning of all of it. That was the most important event, probably of the 20th century. Really, uh, that's what that's what started it all. The fact that one alien survived was was the key to everything. And the fact that that alien survived is what eventually led to the to us uh, sending 12 people to Serpo. So it all began with, uh, and we got a lot of technology out of the Roswell crash, a great deal of technology out of that too, which was distributed to various corporations and they took out patents on the information, on the technology. So Roswell was extremely important, no question about it. Very important. Okay. And the these you know, few case uh, studies, the first Time that the ETs have visited Earth, uh, you make a convincing case that they have been here for a very long period of time. Um, in Alien world, world order, and you you are looking at uh, some some of the information told to the uh, Apache people from ETs that they encountered. You know, uh, well, you know, uh, what what. What was said in th- those discussions? 
Are we talking about Alien World Order, that book? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you want you want to jump to that head to that one? No, sure, sure. Oh. Yeah, yeah, uh, that that that'd be a good place to start to show the how long they've been here and why they came to Earth. Well, that, you're talking about the the incident whereby the um, there was a, there was a crash on an Indian reservation and um, yes, one. Six Indian young Indian boys nursed the crash survivor back to health, yeah. and uh, that became that became the story that uh, about the reptilians. That's how they learned about the reptilians in the first place, because the story that was told to them about the ancient uh, reptilian culture was passed on, and uh, from those six young men. So. That was that was a whole different story than Serpo, and I wanted to get I I I I wanted to talk about that subject so that it could be understood where the reptilians came from in the first place, oh, how they got okay. here. That was okay. the point of that discussing discussion because okay. um, let's do that. That was the first time we we learned about it. Actually. Uh, that became a book by Robert Morning Sky, but it didn't. He was he was an Apache uh, Native American, but he also was very uh, educated. He had a master's degree in um, religious studies. Um, he's the one that first wrote about that incident that occurred in the on the Indian reservation, and um, that was the origin of what we know about the, the ancient history of the reptilians. Up to that, up before that, before that event, we didn't, we didn't really know anything about them at all. So that's why that was an important event. Okay, and, and what were some of the events going on at? Other uh, on other planets that uh, brought brought them to Earth. Like there, you know, there, you, know, you cover uh, well, some of the uh, patriarchal uh, cultures, and there's uh, uh, some disagreements. That were going on. Well, they caught, uh, the 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 history of the reptilians on this planet is ancient, very ancient. They were mm-hmm. here before we were. They were here before we were, and uh, that that crash in which those young men learned about the reptilians and their history was the first the first information we really had on who they were, uh, what they did, and why were they why they were here. That's why that was important, and that's why I, that's why I put that in the first chapter. Because, because I mean, we had people. We've had people like David Ike talking about the reptilians lately, and others. Other authors are writing about them, but nobody ever seems to know where they came from or how they got here. And that's why I thought it was important to go back into history. And the only the only history we had was that book that was written by Robert Morning Sky. 
And uh, Morning Sky got the information from the survivor of the crash on that Indian reservation. His name was Beck T. And so that's why that's why we had I had to get into that ancient history so that we know more about the reptilians who are, of course, still around here. They're still here. They have been for thousands of years. That's the reason I started out on that that information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and yeah, the um, I mean, you know you c- cover that the uh, universe was ruled by a matriarchy and. Yeah, there was uh, yeah that yeah the night of uh, tears, uh, all, all that was. All that was reptilian history, on their mm-hmm. planet, which they called the Green World, and that's very ancient history. I, I wanted the reading pub- public to understand where the reptilians came from, what they were all about. Uh, so all we had to go on was what David Icke told us. And it, it wasn't enough information, and it wasn't enough to let us know just who they are, and what they're capable of, and where they come from. So that was the whole point of uh, writing the whole first part of my book, Alien World Order, about the reptilians, and about that crash in the desert on the Indian Reservation. That's why I wanted to get into that. Stuart Swerdlow talked about it too, but not in great detail. And you, know, you open your book with uh, you know, photos of the reptilian statues. Uh, you know, those have been dated to deep antiquity. Are we talking about alien world order now? Basically, that was the book. Um, that's the book. That's the book you want to discuss yeah, yeah, the, at this point. Yeah, yeah, the photos uh, do uh, uh, open up a, alien world order. Right, right. Yeah, I, it was necessary. I thought it was necessary to discuss the history of the reptilians because David Icke did not get into that in his writings, and he's written five or six books about the reptilians. Yeah, I think you know that, right? Are you familiar with that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. On- so, so you know that. Yeah, so people keep saying, "Well, where do they come from? Who are they?" I just wanted to make the point that they're very ancient. They've been in this galaxy a long time, and they were here long before we were. They had this planet all to themselves for a hundred thousand years at least before there were any humans on this planet. Although there were humans in the gal in the solar system, but not on Earth. They were on Mars, and they were on. Uh, a huge planet called Maldek, but they were not here on Earth when they arrived. So they came here uh, in a large planet-sized spaceship. They had they had the dinos- they took the dinosaurs with them because the dinosaurs were their food source, and they brought them with them, and they settled here and uh, made this their planet. And for a long time, they had no interference. Okay, and they eventually 
settled the continents that would be known to us today as Atlantis and Mu? No. No, they didn't settle Atlantis. They settled on Lemuria, though, Mu, yes. Oh, okay. Which was, Lemuria. which was in the Pacific Pacific Ocean, a large, very large continent in the Pacific, uh, which are sometimes called Lemuria, sometimes called Mu, M-U. And um, they lived there for a long time, and they uh, they had space travel. They had spaceships. <clears throat> they could get back and forth out of the solar system. Um, everything was fine. The problem was that when they got here, when they first got here, they destroyed a huge planet between Jupiter and Mars called Maldek. They they vaporized it literally. It became it became the um, uh, it, be, it became a series of uh, broken up fragments of the planet and hundreds of thousands of humans that were living on Maldek were killed. And many of them had escaped already to Mars, but uh, might have even been millions. We don't know the numbers. We don't really know the numbers. That was their first act when they arrived in the solar system, was to destroy Maldek. And the remnants of Maldek was, became the asteroid belt. We now call that the asteroid belt. So that's, that, was their, that was their initial act upon arriving in the solar system was to destroy that planet and to to annihilate millions of humans who were living on that planet. But that's that was nothing to them because they've done that before. They did that in other solar systems. To them, killing humans was just sport. They didn't care. And then they settled on Lemuria, made that their made that their their continent. There was another continent that also emerged out of the water at that time. That that eventually became Atlantis, but we'll talk about that later because for a long time it didn't matter. They lived here alone with their dinosaurs uh, for a long time before, before a single human set foot on this planet. Okay, and what was the... Lemurian culture like? Well, that's what Robert Morningsky that's what Robert Morningsky discussed. He, he talked about the kingdom they had in Orion and in Draco and how the uh, eventually the queens the queens took over, the females took over the their culture on those planets. Uh, so that's why the first third of that book is all about their history on their, in their, on their other planet which Morning Sky called the Green World, and uh, how they evolved on that planet before they even came to this to this solar system. Because they had they had they had space travel, they had uh, space sharing technology for thousands of years before they came here, and they 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 have nev- they've been all over the solar system, traveled all over the solar system, and all over the galaxy in their spacecraft before they even arrived here. And so uh, it was important to get that history across to fill in some of the information that David Icke really did not cover because he didn't have the information. Uh, the information came from Robert Morningsky and his his first his book. And that's where I got it. 
Oh, and, and you know, with the um, de- destruction of the uh, uh, planet that uh, uh, made the asteroid belt, uh, you, you, know, you are giving us establishing a pattern of you know, reptilians had an aggressive of uh, behavior absolutely that's all they that's all they know is domination yes yeah, they, have no regard, to, they have no regard for the human race whatsoever okay so when first the first the first contact between the humans and the reptilians occurred in a, in a solar system or a star system called Lyra, which is uh, many light years away, I think uh, something like 50 light years away from our star, our star system. And uh, that was the first time that they, they, cruised, they cruised the galaxy. They had been cruising the galaxy in their starships for many, many thousands of years. But that was the first time they encountered humans was in, was in the system of Lyra. And uh, the humans were living peacefully in that star system had an agricultural civilization. Uh, they were spiritual, but they didn't have very many defensive facilities. They they weren't really good in high technology in terms of weaponry. And so the uh, when the when the reptilians arrived there, uh, they lived, they basically just destroyed three planets of humans completely and slaughtered about fifty million fifty million humans. That was first. That was the first encounter between humans and reptilians. That's where it all started. Before that, uh, there was no connection between the reptilians and the human race. So okay, and okay, go, go, go ahead, Lynn. Also, I just wanted to get into that piece of history. Okay. Uh, 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 if you want to add to it, that uh, fine. It just it, um, you know, well, what? What more uh, follow-up questions? I just want you to you know finish your point. Well, there were humans living here in this solar system uh, before the before the reptilians got here, but they were living on two planets. One was Maldek and one was Mars. There were, there were human civilizations on both of those planets. And when, they, when the uh, reptilians arrived here, they, they wound up destroying Maldek and they stripped the atmosphere off of, off of Mars. Uh, when, they, when, they, when they went by it in their spacecraft, so the, the, the humans on Mars had to take refuge under the surface and couldn't live on the surface. And the humans on Maldek were slaughtered. Millions, millions were slaughtered. And uh, they then uh, they then landed on Earth and basically lived here peacefully for a hundred thousand years or so before any other any other humans showed up. And the okay. reason they the reason they slaughtered all the humans here was they wanted them out of the way. They wanted the solar system. Basically, it was a it was an operation to take over the solar system. And that was what they were doing here. And they do that all over the galaxy. 
Okay, and what was the incident that brought about the destruction of Lemuria and the migration of the survivors? Well, the survivors from Lyra, the human survivors from Lyra, uh, scattered all over the galaxy and started, went to other places. Uh, they, they, they went to 110 different star systems and settled there. And uh, they stayed in touch with each other and became what we now know as the Galactic uh, Federation. And they developed weaponry. They developed a high technology. And um, they communicated with each other and, uh, and many, many different planets in this galaxy. So because because they started this something called the Galactic Federation, when the uh, when the reptilians arrived here and slaughtered all the humans on Maldek, the Federation decided to take action. They decided they were not going to let them have this solar system, and so they sent a very fierce race of humans from uh, the Pleiades called the Atlans to confront the reptilians on Earth. The Atlans arrived here and settled on the continent we now know as Atlantis. And the wars the wars broke out immediately between the reptilians and the humans at that point. And the Atlans had a very very high technology. They were able to weaken the the underpinnings of the of the continent of Lemuria and eventually it sank. And the reptilians had to had to take refuge underground. And uh, that was when Atlantis began. And a very, very high culture eventually took place on Atlantis, and uh, there was no interference from the reptilians. They were living underground. But then uh, the wars the wars started, and the reptilians actually had the technology to sink Atlantis, which they did. That was basically, they struck back. And fortunately... The psychics and the shamans on Atlantis knew that it was coming. They warned. They warned them, everybody, and uh, there was mass migrations before, before Atlantis went down. But the ma- the major part of Atlantis went down in one one night. But by that time, humans were scattered all over the globe, and uh, they started civilizations in uh, Egypt. And in, in in Tibet, all over. So that's that was the beginning of that situation. That's how it Lemuria sank, and also Atlantis. Both of them went on underwater. Okay, and the, some of the. Subterranean layers that were established were uh, in Antarctica, uh, Tibet, and India. Um, 
I'm not sure about Antarctica, but uh, there were human colonies all over the planet. Uh, they actually, the humans that escaped from from Atlantis started wisdom schools because they were very highly evolved spiritually. They started wisdom schools in the uh, um, in Tibet and India and underground also all over the planet. There were many survivors. There were many human survivors. Uh, but uh, the fantasy itself was gone. And so the reptilians lived underground and started a whole civilization underground. They started a complete civilization. They had high-speed they had high-speed um, technology, high-speed trains, and they had the ability to go in and out of portals and go out into the galaxy in their spaceships. So they were very comfortable living underground while our civilization was basically uh, primitive uh, on Earth, although uh, there were no further confrontations at that point. We can get into that okay. if you'd like to. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, there's also the... Uh, the... the uh, Society of Green Men, um, you know, they you know, would have an influence as as well on uh, world history. Uh, it, it, I just wanted to uh, cover the, them at some point in this uh now you're, getting closer, now you're getting closer to World World War II. Now we're talking closer to World War II. But uh, at that okay. point, when, with the with the reptilians living underground uh, and a very 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 primitive human civilization on the on the surface, the Federation decided that uh, they wanted to to convene a council, uh, which they did on the planet Hatona in Andromeda to discuss the situation on Earth. And at that point, the reptilians were invited to that council and an agreement was reached whereby the, the Federation decided they were going to create an entirely new human race on Earth, uh, a, new, a new race. And uh, the reptilians agreed to that but the agreement included the fact that the new the new tech, the new race was going to actually consist of a the reptilian what we now call the reptilian brain was part of the arrangement that, we, that was agreed to that the new race would have what's called the reptilian brain and uh, the reptilians believed they could manage the new race from under the surface because they would have a reptilian brain and that's that was the beginning of the garden, so-called Garden of Eden, and that was the, that was the human race that we're now talking about, which we evolved from, that we now call Homo sapiens sapiens. That's how it started. Started with that agreement, and so the Federation basically made a made a deal with them that uh, that there would be a new human race on this planet, and the reptilians agreed to it. Because they felt sure that they could they could uh, basically enslave the new race anyway. 
And that's where we come from. We, we come from that, that arrangement, that deal that was made. Genetically speaking, um, the new race have the genetics, have the DNA of 12, 12 human civilizations that were, in the, that were in the Federation. They combined the DNA of 12 human races and created a new race that became the so-called Garden of Eden uh, creation story. And we evolved from that arrangement. And now we're 7 billion strong. And you also note that there were uh, 22 corrections to human DNA over a 50,000-year period? Yes, exactly. The, uh, the Federation continued to to create to perfect the human race with 22 DNA corrections. Uh, David Ike talks, I mean, David Wilcock talks about that. Corey Good, uh, uh, Stephen Swerdlow. We, we were slowly, we were slowly made into a more and more intellect, intelligent species. Started out uh, rather, rather ignorant, but the basic human Basic human DNA was there, and slowly we they made 22 corrections to the DNA over a period of uh, thousands of years, and to and, and so the human race of today evolved from that from those beginnings. Okay, uh, um, Len, since we were just talking about. Atlantis and Egypt. Um, you also draw our attention to uh, Edgar Casey's uh, information about Atlantis and Ignatius Donnelly's uh, book. Entitled Atlantis. Uh, what is so important about the, their views of the, this early advanced culture? Well, the the Atlanteans were not were not part were not created by the alien feet. The, the Atlanteans came from a, a different star system. Um, remember, I said that the uh, this Federation decided to send a race of Atlans here to confront mm-hmm. the reptilians, which they did, and the reptilians went underground. The Atlans created a golden civilization here. When the reptilians went underground, the Atlans had the surface world to themselves, and they were very advanced, very spiritual. They had high-tech weaponry. They had high-tech uh, civilization um, before before it was sunk. Before Atlantis went down, that was not the same human race as the human race that was created by that agreement at the Council of Hatona. You know, millions of Atlanteans were slaughtered in that when Atlantis went down. And so they scattered through all over the all over the planet. Uh, many of them left the planet. 
And that's when the council decided to create the new human race. And the reptilians agreed to that. And that was the agreement. As long as they, as long as they could get the new humans to have the reptilian brain, they were pleased with the arrangement because they didn't feel threatened at all at that point. So that's the race we came from. We're, we're the Homo sapiens sapiens. The Atlanteans were a totally different human race. They were much more advanced than we are, even now. And you also cover that some of these, like Egypt, you know, some of these... Uh, early advanced civilizations um, really just emerged advanced. Like, you know, there wasn't really like a a stepping stones to get to an advanced uh, state of civilization. Civil society. It, it was just like all of a sudden they just uh, you know, appeared almost overnight. Uh, you know, very advanced. Well, you know, the human race that we know it's the human, the human race that we, that we call Homo sapiens sapiens is only about fifty thousand years old, and it started really. Uh, before Atlantis even went down. So at that point, there were humans on Atlantis and there were new humans starting to multiply in the Fertile Crescent over in Turkey. That's where that's where the Garden of Eden was located, so-called Garden of Eden. And uh, But after that, the, our friends, the, the other humans in the galaxy, they did interfere and added, added, made more DNA corrections as we as we grew to the, to the new human race until we, we reached what we now call Homo sapiens sapiens. The early humans could never, have, could never have mastered the kind of things we take for granted using automobiles and cell phones. They never would have been able to understand how to do any of that. But after, these, after they made these 22 corrections, uh, we gradually became more and more sophisticated and highly intelligent and technological the goal, the goal was to create a human race on this planet that would eventually be able to confront the reptilians all over the galaxy. And really, that's what they want. That's what they want us to do. That's what they want us to do. That's what the that's what the that's what the Federation. That was the purpose of the Federation creating the human race in the first place. And. Some of the remnants of the advanced Atlantean uh, culture are uh, you know, like the uh, Sphinx and uh, pyramids. Uh, you're covering the Osirian at Abydos. 
you know, like the, you know, these are some very ancient structures. You know, what what importance did they have for you know the uh, Egyptians, uh, you know, de- descendants of Atlantis? Well, Egypt, Egypt was the main colony that escaped from Egypt, from Atlantis. The Egyptians mm-hmm. were basically they were basically Atlantean. That's why they were able to build such huge monuments and had a very sophisticated culture in ancient Egypt. That uh, they had high tech high technology. They understood DNA. They actually they actually created creatures that were part animal and part human. Uh, that was all done by the Atlanteans. The Atlantean uh, who emigrated out of out of uh, Atlantis to Egypt before it sank, before Egypt, before Atlantis went down. So you know, basically, you had the new humans that originated in eastern Turkey, and you had the Atlanteans still basically interacting with each other. As we as we became more and more. As we, the Homo sapiens sapiens, became more sophisticated, more intelligent, and were more able to uh, create a high, high techno, a high civilization, uh, the Atlanteans just stayed out of the picture, and uh, basically many of them left the planet entirely. Okay. And when. when we're talking about um, the the reptilians, or is that, or are they a, a, another name for the Nephilim? You know, are we talking? Are we talking like you know, like the biblical uh, Nephilim is? Basically, a summary of what you've been covering. It's just uh, another name for the same group of people. Well, the there were giants in the early stages of on this planet. You know, it's in the Bible. It talks about the fact that there were giants on the earth. Uh, they were probably the the, the Atlanteans. And uh, the culture that started in ancient Greece and uh, Egypt was mainly Atlantean. Um, so uh, those stories, those, those so-called uh, ancient stories, really talking about migrations from Atlantis, humans that escaped that escaped from Atlantis and founded founded ancient Egypt and also also populated ancient Greece and Cyprus and those areas in the Mediterranean. When we look at the the surviving uh, structures like the uh, Sphinx, and there are also um, numerous e- examples of the Egyptian obelisks, and you know, we have 
was it the Washington Monument is you know, patterned after an Egyptian obelisk? Uh, what about the you know one of the tallest structures in Washington D.C.? Uh, what is that that symbol? What what does the cult? What's the uh, cultural significance of that symbol that is found around uh, you know, a wide portion of the world? You know, how does that all relate to Egypt? Well, the, the obelisks the obelisks were basically uh, erected. Uh, they were really used for. Uh, they're really a high-tech network that had the ability to communicate with each other that probably was based on Atlantean technology. And most, almost all, all of ancient Egypt was basically based on Atlantean technology. That's why they were able to build those huge pyramids and the huge temples. Um, the new human race, which was starting to develop uh, in Turkey, uh, really was not involved in that, and uh, so we had two different cultures. Really, still, so we still had the Atlantean survivors still on this planet, still living in basically in colonies, and then we had the new humans developing uh, in what is now Eastern Turkey. Actually, it's West. I'm sorry, Western Turkey. Really, that became the Garden of Eden. And that became Homo sapiens sapiens. That's us. And um, the the our Atlantean forefathers, if you want to look at it that way, helped us along as best they could, uh, in any way they could. They started the mystery schools, what we call the mystery schools, and where many uh, humans went for spiritual uh, help. In, in the Himalayan mountains and other places, other high, other places that were basically um, in high places. So, but, but, so the human race of today, really, we, we have them to thank for them for bringing us along to the point that we that we are today. And they did the other the other the other ET civilizations did come and help advance us with these 22 corrections, which David Wilcock talks about also. 22 corrections were made to our DNA over over thousands of years to bring us to the point that we are at, at today and able to handle new, the technology that we now have. Early, early humans could never have handled the technology that we have, computers, uh, high-speed transportation, they they would basically had no ability to do any of that. They wouldn't understand how to do that. But slowly, but slowly and surely, with the 22 corrections, the human race of today has evolved to the point where now we're almost ready, almost ready to leave the planet and start traveling in outer space ourselves. We're just at that point now. But uh, the reptilians are trying to inhibit us from doing that. They don't want us to do that. They want to keep us here. 
Well, yeah, you do n- note that uh, Christianity was uh, developed to stop the reptilians, or it was a, a way to battle that them uh you know since we've been talking a little bit about the uh like the ancient uh egyptian mystery schools what's the role of christianity well the federation the federation wanted to the reptilians have no no concept of love or compassion they don't understand that it's not in their dna they just know how to dominate and control uh, a federation decided that the human race is, is is capable of love. We have heart chakra. We're capable of love and compassion. We were created that way. That's the reason we were created that way. And so a teacher was necessary. And uh, the, the federation did send the person we now call Jesus here to de- to develop that and teach that. And that was Christianity, and I talk about that in that in my book. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was to help us to, to become the the kind of the kind of race that we are now. Compassion, love, love is the most important aspect of the human race. The reptilians have no concept of love; they don't they don't understand it. They don't care about it. So it was necessary for us to have a teacher. And the Federation sent the person we know as Jesus and also Mary Magdalene to do that. And he succeeded. He succeeded in starting the religion we now call Christianity. And it's made, it's made us more civilized. Before that, we were not. We were rather uncivilized. Christianity has helped civilize the human race. Uh, that's. I don't think we've had it uh, put that uh, way on any other nightlight show. That's a really interesting perspective, and that was uh, furthered for a few hundred more years with the Merovingians. Well, as Christianity came two branches, the uh, the Pauline branch and that was basically in Rome, and the French the French Merovingian uh, kings, um, they were more they were more actual Christians, what we call Christians, uh, than the Roman the Roman the Roman Christians, um, because the the early Roman Church was dominated by the reptilians, whereas the one in France developed more freely and became uh, they became true Christians uh, because they um, they allowed for the feminine principle whereas the, the Roman Christians were male dominated and misogynistic that developed out of the Roman Christian church is basically all male no real, real place for females Whereas the Merovingian branch of Christianity 
developed along the line of uh, where, where priestesses and highly evolved uh, women became part of that culture. Um, and ultimately, the two forged, the two the two clashed, and uh, the Roman Christians, which became the Roman the Roman Empire, really slaughtered hundreds of thousands of uh, Cathars in France, and that was the end of that 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 uh, civilization. And so the Pope the Pope became the leader of the Catholic Church and leader of Christianity. But um, that's a whole other story. Okay, so you, know, you note that during the time of Hatshepsut uh, in Egypt, it, it, there there were some uh, opposing philosophies that uh, began to emerge. Um, can, can you tell us a little bit about the, those and the impact that they have on us uh, today? See, I'm not sure what you're referring to really. Uh, what is she? She she was a uh, female leader who hated war, and she wanted to uh, restore the divine uh, feminine uh, philosophy, and she was at odds with um, uh, Shamsu Shamsu Hor. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, they uh, eventually they killed her, basically, because she... She was against war, and the uh, the male the males were warlike, and uh, mm-hmm. she tried to do away with war, but it did away with her instead. Her temple still exists in Egypt. I've been there, and it's a beautiful temple. Is, is that the one that has like a? Really long facade, and there there, there are a lot of uh, columns. And it's carved into like a hillside or a rock outcropping. Is that that one? Yeah, I think I think that basically described it. Yeah, yeah. And they get a lot of millions of people go there to visit that temple. It's a beautiful temple. Okay, so it's and that's the one dedicated. Like, Dedicated to her, she's buried there. Um, I'm trying to remember where they where her her uh, burial site was. She was not buried in the Valley of the Kings. We know that, and I I'm not sure that they know where her where her tomb is. I don't think they've discovered it. I'm not sure about that. Oh, but it, it's just a temple to her. But so she had it built. What, she had that temple built. She had it built. The subject did have it built. She had a lot of power okay. at one point. Okay, and it was her 
deposition a result of the the, the reptilian uh, planning or the reptilians the reptilians basically took over the male dominated Egyptian culture and uh, the pharaoh became all important they they were just like uh, they also did the same thing they they denigrated the female the feminine influence and the male pharaohs ruled with an iron hand and uh, basically that led to the downfall of Egypt well okay it yeah, uh, uh, that's yeah, just some really interesting information, and and, and I just uh, reptilians we... could not forget the, the reptilians could not forget what happened uh, in Draco when where they originated from, where the queen, the queens or Orion rather, where the queens took over, and they subjugated the males, and. So the the reptilians on this planet had decided that they would they would never allow that to happen here, that the males would stay in power, and uh, most of the reptilians are very misogynistic, very anti-female, um, to this day, to this day. It, and you know, that's I don't think we really. Take into consideration that these behaviors that we see uh, are just very, uh, yeah, just say very aggressive behaviors. You know, we see on you know, different uh, uh, news stories actually you know, are a long-established pattern of uh, reptilian behavior as well as the the mind control that they have established as well as other types of uh, methods of controlling people like the banking system. You you know you uh, make us aware of well the the male you know the basic the basic power structure on planet is male dominated it's patriarchal right. it's misogynistic because the reptilians are behind it and mm-hmm. uh, they they elevate the male over the female and so that's why we've got this current thing going on the warfare basically between the males and the females is finally starting to the females are finally starting to emerge as a as a power group, but for a long time, because of reptilian control, they didn't. The, the men the men were basically in charge, and had been. And uh, the reptilians would were, were determined not to let us, the women, emerge, uh, and influence the civilization because they wanted a warlike they wanted a warlike civilization here. They wanted the males to slaughter each other, basically, so that they would stay in control. By controlling the men, they control the they control the, the, the war the warlike uh, 
abilities of the of the of the whole human race. And that's why we've been killing each that's why we've been killing each other for thousands of years. The women are starting to emerge now. And they may eventually they may eventually that's that culture may eventually emerge and uh it probably will. Probably will. More women in government, more women in power, more women in business. It was it was a Catholic church that basically was highly male dominated that spread that influence, uh unfortunately, and uh, and subjugated women. That's changing. That's now changing. Fortunately. It, how, how how do we identify the the reptilians? And I'm sure they've been um, yeah, hybrid. Uh, over time, but are, are, are there any uh, uh, pure reptilians? How, uh, how, how do we uh, recognize those that um, they have under their uh, influence? You know, do, do, are they you know, like all in, in banking or politics? They, the, 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 the people that control our civilization are the so-called Illuminati. They are the uh, basically do the work of the reptilians. The banking system, media, all of that is controlled by the Illuminati. They start the wars. They uh, they control us through banking, through media through adulteration of our food and water, uh, chemtrails, all of that. that That's basically a male patriarchal system. Uh, it was very evident in World War II when Hitler, uh, it was very obvious that the Nazi, the Nazi civilization that he created was very strongly male-dominated. They had no basic respect for women at all. Uh, that was all basically because they were controlled by the reptilians. And Hitler had made a pact with the reptilians. Um, and as a result of that arrangement, the reptilians gave them high technology. Um, but ultimately, they still couldn't handle it, fortunately. Um, but basically, the subjugation of women, wherever you see that pattern, such as it was in Rome also, you know that it's a reptilian influence because the reptilians have no regard for the female. They don't want they, they don't they don't want this civilization to repeat what happened uh, in their in their original world on Draco and in Orion, where the, where the women took over and the queens the queens took over power the power structure. So uh, that's why patriarch we that's why we're living in such a patriarchal social structure. Here, and have been for many, many years. Okay, so, Len, since you just brought up um, you know, Hitler and the 
Nazis. Uh, you want to talk a, a little bit about um, you know, their their influence or how they became influenced by the reptilians? You know, you go into uh, detail about uh, Carl. Haushofer and what he uh, learned on his uh, trip to Asia. Well, Haushofer was one of the brains of the of the of the development of the Nazi philosophy, but uh, he uh, he actually wrote the book Mein Kampf for Hitler while Hitler was in jail. Uh, Hitler did not have did not was not smart enough to write a book like that. Uh, Haushofer was an intellectual. He was a acad- academician, and he used to visit Hitler in jail, and helped him write that book Mein Kampf, uh, which became, of course, uh, very popular. And um, Haushofer also was one of the ones that traveled to various places all over the world studying other cult- ancient cultures um, so I think that's what you're talking about is that, is that right. Right? Is that what you're interested in yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's just interesting that the uh, d- development of you know the pattern of thought that Haushofer learned as and then you know Transmitting it and uh, all of the destruction it caused. Well, Haushofer was one of one of Hitler's intellectual teachers, so to speak. Haushofer was uh, had been living in Japan prior to World War II, and he became a member of the Green Dragon Society in Japan, uh, which was a which was a secret organization. Again, very male dominated. And so uh, he was there on a consulting assignment to help the Japanese develop uh, their cannons and their artillery. Um, but ultimately, he uh, he became a member of the Green Dragon Society. He was probably one of the only Westerners ever to be admitted into the Green Dragon Society in Japan. And um, he came back. He came to Germany and uh, became a became a, a uh, professor at one of the colleges. In Germany, and helped he helped Hitler write Mein Kampf, and uh, in the end, in the end, the Nazis killed him. They actually they didn't actually kill him. They put him in a concentration camp. He and his wife, and ultimately they both committed suicide. He and his wife. Uh, so it, you know it was a typical way that the Nazis would handle anybody. Doesn't didn't matter. Uh, they had no loyalty to anybody. That was basically the Nazi approach to life. So the story of Karl Haushofer is a very interesting story, and uh, I thought it was necessary to cover it in my book. Oh, it, 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 it was very interesting, and I think uh, it did an excellent job of delineating the uh, uh, 
progression of thought. Yeah, there was no there was no academic uh, there was no academic life in Nazi Germany really. People people like Haushofer were were necessary to 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 help bring them along, but basically uh, the Nazis were so dominated by the reptilian and the reptilian philosophy that uh, they had no respect for academics at all. Yeah, you you bring up the point. It was more like indoctrination than making personal realizations of some truth. Yeah, I mean, a man like Halsopper, who was highly highly educated, uh, and but he also recognized in Hitler the kind of leader that they that he needed that they wanted to establish the uh, what what they hoped would be a German empire but as we know did not turn out that way so in the end he realized what a monster he had created he and his wife both killed themselves uh, he hung himself and she she shot herself or he shot himself I can't remember how it worked out they realized that they were they were really basically trying to what they were trying to do in Nazi Germany was to carry out the the orders that were given to them by the Green Dragon Society and to create a, a leader like a Hitler like leader in Germany and then link up with the with the Japanese which they did eventually but um, when he realized what a monster they had created in Hitler they killed themselves. Because he was not at all what they had what they had be, had in mind, really. It, so, you know, to ex- show the inf- uh, the reptilian influence and their um, their. Nefarious plans. Um, Yeah, Germany uh, began colonizing Antarctica in 1938. Is pretty early on. in you know the, the, you know, the during the Nazi era uh, for for them to be uh, taking such a uh, bold um, was the Antarctica deal all. Inspired by reptilian concepts. Yes, absolutely. You know, when when you realize that the Germans colonized Antarctica in 1938, they sent a they sent a ship called the Schwabenland there with with scientists and uh, agriculturists, and uh, uh, their intent was to start a new colony in Antarctica. In 1938, the one full year before they started World War II, 
And so you have to ask, why would they, why would they devote so many resources to that, that concept, that, that project, 6,000 miles away across the Atlantic, when they were getting ready to start World War, to invade Poland and start World War II? It just didn't make any sense unless, until you understood that their basic intention was to start a colony in Antarctica that they could use as a base to uh, explore other planets. The reptilians were going to help them with their technology, with their aerospace technology in Antarctica, and that's what happened. That's what happened. I get into all of that in my new book, uh, Dark Fleet. I don't mm-hmm. cover that in, in Alien World Order, but I do in the new book. <clears throat> the Settlement of Mars and the Moon uh, by the Nazis is covered in my new book, Dark Fleet. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. Uh, we'll, we won't go, go, go into a whole yeah, a lot of information about that. We'll say that for the you know your return appearance in a couple of weeks. But it, it's yeah, really some uh, fascinating information about you know what. You're discovering what was going on at that time. Uh, you know, you know the concept of uh, space travel and like the you know late 1930s. Um, you know, we could leave that there and you know, maybe uh, you know, return to. Um, your uh, secret uh, journey to uh, uh, planet Ser- Serpo, and you know, get get into other intergalactic uh, voyages. But uh, to so uh, outer space travel. Really isn't something that's started w- with uh, President Kennedy you know, um, w- wanting to put someone on um, the moon by the en- end of the 60s. Uh, it had been done um, it, it, President Kennedy the, the wanted moon, to. The first, the first, the first moon landing was in 1942 by the Germans. The German okay. landing on the German landing on the, the Nazi landing on the moon was in 1942, uh, and uh, they started building their their colony on the moon from that time that point on, and going underground. So the lunar, what we now call the Lunar Operations Command on on the moon, was started at that point. They had the technology way ahead of everybody else because the reptilians were helping them. So okay. and yeah. oh yeah, yeah and, and yeah the technology uh, it's really some amazing information you have about the uh, Werner von Braun's engineering of the propulsion systems and rockets 
The goal, um, of, the, goal of, the goal of the Nazis from the very beginning was not to destroy America. It was to take it over and to harness our technology and our ability to manu- our manufacturing capability and our advanced, uh, our advanced systems. The goal was not to destroy America. That's why they, they never really, they never really invaded America. They could have. There were there were ways they could have sent huge bombers over here. That's why they invaded Russia instead. Their goal was to take over America, not to destroy it. And they, that's basically what they did. And uh, they put one of their own Nazis in command of our of our of our, of our space program, Werner von Braun. He had been a Nazi mm-hmm. colonel, and uh, in 1960 he took over our space program. And there were Nazis in all over all over our large corporations, aerospace corporations, a uh, Operation Paperclip. The uh, the CIA brought over many many uh, Nazis here and cleaned up their records and scrubbed their records. Truman Truman said there would be no Nazis in our scientists in our system but they just uh, destroyed their records and uh, they became part of our system took over large corporations and everything and um, that's what happened they got involved in big time and since we're talking about President Truman uh, and President Kennedy, uh, how did it, th- these earlier uh, UFO landings and uh, presidential meetings with the ETs uh, – uh, how did all those uh, encounters lead up to the uh, exchange program with uh, um, in, that you document in your uh, secret history of Project uh, Serpo? Well, it all started with Roswell. The Roswell crash was the beginning of everything that uh, our space program. Uh, we, we developed, we, we, we obtained a lot of technology from that one crash because one of the aliens survived. Mm-hmm. And he was he was sent to Los Alamos. And uh, we worked with him for five years before he finally died in 1952. And... Uh, the arrangement to have an exchange program with his planet was made before he di- before he died, and uh, but the aliens insisted that that we wait ten years before they would be willing to do it, do the exchange program, and so we had to wait until 1965 before uh, we could send our, ten, our 12 people to to their planet Serpo, and uh, we did. They stayed, they stayed there 12, they stayed there 13 years, actually, not 10 years. They were supposed to stay there just for 10 years, but they ended up staying there 13 years because they lost track of time. All the time, all the, all the time uh, 
devices that they brought with them were not working any longer. So they didn't really know what what year it was on Earth. Finally, in 1978, they were sent back, but only seven of them returned. Um, three of them three of them died, and two of them decided to stay there. Two Americans decided to stay there on Serpo. So seven returned in 1978. Okay, that's what and the movie, the movie, the movie, the movie Close Encounters is based on. Was based on that whole uh, that whole incident. If you recall, in that movie, there were twelve men and one woman, eleven men and one woman lined up in orange jumpsuits. Do you remember that scene at the end? Yeah, yeah, to, yeah, to, yeah to, to, towards the end of the movie. Yeah, right. So Spielberg Spielberg knew about this whole program, and that's what he was trying to, to portray. Okay, well, um, you, know, you do cover that President Kennedy uh, did create the uh, DIA to make intelligence m- more accountable to the public. Exactly, yeah. He, he had a clash with the CIA, and mm-hmm. uh, after, the Bay, after the Bay of Pigs, he... He told them that he was going to break the CIA up into a thousand pieces. And, of course, they never let him do that. They got to him first, thanks to Alan Dulles. And, uh, but part of, part of his plan to, to destroy the CIA was to create an, an organization that would be more accountable to him, and that became the DIA. But he and McNamara decided to Start another intelligence agency called the DIA, the Defense Intelligence Agency. That was started by Kennedy in 1962, I believe. And ultimately, the DIA became very powerful, and uh, uh, they had a different they had a, they had a different agenda than the CIA anyway. But um, the CIA remained under the control of Alan Dulles, who basically uh, had Nazi sympathies. So um, the, it was the, it was the DIA that released the basically released the information that that the Serpo story is based on. That's it was because they released that information that I was able to write the book. If they hadn't done that, we never that that story would never have seen the light of day. Oh yeah, uh, you yeah that. Your your Serpo book is you know, just really interesting. Uh, and for for example, you have the all the training that went uh, the the twelve people went through being moved around to the uh, different bases Um, the diaries of uh, of, all that's worth uh, spending some time uh, uh, discussing so so how how were these um, 
12 astronauts chosen to uh, for, for this exchange program to for, for them to go to Serpo? They were not really astronauts. They were simply uh, ex-military people that uh, carefully chosen. Uh, they put out a call. They put ads in, in all the all the military newspapers for volunteers. They told them that basically it was a top secret uh, mission. They didn't tell them anything about it. Uh, once they got into the program and they were trained, uh, then then they started to learn that they were actually going to go to another star system. But uh, in the beginning, they they didn't understand what they were supposed to do. But the leader of the the, the, the next Air Force colonel was the uh, was the guy in charge, and uh, he was given the information from the beginning. But he became the team commander, and uh, they were trained. Uh, I think it was basically for a full six months at the CIA. Uh, headquarters in Virginia, near near uh, near Williamsburg, Virginia, um, and uh, it was very intensive training. Uh, each one of them had a different specialty. One was one was oriented to medical problems. There were two pilots. Uh, it's all covered in the book. We know we know it all because uh, they had a website called serpo.org that had about 13,000 words. It was complete coverage of the whole of the whole story. And I got a lot of information from that, from that website, as well as other sources, in order to write the book. But uh, they, were, they were initially going to include two women in the in the group, but that changed. They had, they had originally started with 16 people. There were 12, 12 people and, a, and four alternates. I think the women were in the alternate group, but in the end they decided to send, send all just only the 12 men. And uh, each one had a separate specialty. And it was quite a story. They, and they went there and they, uh, they, were, they were treated very nicely by the aliens on Serpo. They were given complete freedom to, to travel all over the planet. They gave them every any information they wanted in terms of the propulsion of the system of the spacecraft, uh, they brought all that back with them in 1978, and that's really one of the things that helped uh, jumpstart our space program. The information they brought back with them was invaluable. Okay, and what they were going uh, was it. 240 trillion miles from Earth. Yes. And they were gone for that, uh, that was a 13 year round trip no, expedition. The, the, journey, the, the journey only, the journey to Serpa only took nine months, took uh, uh, nine months. I believe I can't remember that now. They went through. They went through what we call a wormhole. That's how they were able to co- coverage cover those. It's a huge distance to Serpo, and uh, they were they were on the alien craft, which was operated by the aliens themselves. They were taken on as passengers, and uh, 
they were treated very nicely the entire journey. Um, but it was not an easy thing. It was not an easy thing for them to adapt to, though. It was very difficult. They were given free reign of the spaceship. They were able to go and see the uh, the, the engine room, how it was handled, uh, and uh, they were given free reign to travel on Serbo anywhere they wanted. They brought they brought a lot of transportation and stuff with them, and they went they went up into the northern hemisphere, down into the southern hemisphere. They traveled all over the planet when they got there. Has um, since you know pu- publishing this book, has any new information uh, come to light about the Project Serpo uh, expedition? Well, uh, let's keep in mind that it wasn't one journey. Okay, the uh, okay. the evens we call them the evens. They've been back nine times since that journey. We've established a, a diplomatic relationship with the even civilization, and we may even have a colony there. My guess is that we probably do have a secret colony on their planet to this day. So that that's that's been an ongoing that's been an ongoing connection. And a lot of our technology that we've that we've developed uh, is has been based on what we learned from the Evens about techn- about their propulsion system, about their biotechnology, the ability they have to uh, to combine DNA and create different creatures. We learned all of that in that mission. Um, so it, it was it was definitely advantageous to our technology. And uh, has a lot to do with the fact that we, we now have the ability to do all those things. Um, and you note that uh, Carl Sagan may have been involved with this project. That's a big name, and you know. Uh, late 20th century science and astronomy. Carl Sagan was, was part of the, was consulted, yes. He wrote, he wrote a, a long uh, dissertation um, as part of, part of his, his uh, contribution to, uh, to the whole circle story. He was aware of it. In fact, his book, the book that he claims was fiction, Contact, was based in large part on what he learned from that information. But of course he could never say that. He could never tell anybody that. I, I remember uh, seeing that movie. Uh, when, when, when did that come out? Like about 20 years ago? Something like that. I think so, Jodie Foster was in it. I believe Jodie Foster right. was in it. Yeah. And, yeah, and um, yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. It was. He claimed it was fiction, but it was, a lot of it was based on what he what he had learned from the uh, from the circle story, because he was given access to top secret top secret information. 
You didn't want to endanger yeah. his position uh, at Cornell, where he was the head of the, the astronomy department, and he couldn't tell them anything. So he had to keep it top secret. In their um, was uh, a scene in the movie that that was seemed like uh, it was describing a, a wormhole, uh, but you know. You, you, he did mention that uh, just a, a few minutes ago uh, that that the um, Serpo uh, uh, tra- travelers did get there through wormholes. Is that the f- first time that uh, people learned? Of wormholes. Well, when you say people, uh, who are you who are you referring to? Uh, it j- just you know, like the regular, you know, lay person. You know, uh, w- w- was that concept known by uh, you know? government agencies uh, prior to Project Serpo? I believe it like was. Like Einstein? Uh, I'm not sure about Einstein. I, I do know that, um, that we we knew a lot about interstellar travel uh, very early in the game. And uh, we, we understood that what, what Corey Good now refers to it as the cosmic web. So that's basically what he's talking about. Wormholes are really part of what he calls the cosmic web, which are which are um, connections between all the planets, basically. And if you go through a wormhole, you're going through the cosmic web, and you go through instantaneously. It's instantaneous uh, travel. So um, we we learned a lot of that. We learned a lot of that information before, even before the even before the Serpo story. We know a lot of that. We had we had we had spies working over in Germany when Germany was developing their, uh, their space program and their rocketry and. Uh, they were naval. They were basically naval assets, and um, Tom, William Tompkins talked about that in his book, "Selected by Extraterrestrials." Uh, so we we knew a lot of that already, uh, even before we we sent that that contingent to Serpo. As a matter of fact, we were already manufacturing spaceships secretly in the um, in in the fifties and sixties. So they didn't go to Serpo until 1965. By that time, we already had a lot of information about about space travel and wormholes. It was top secret, of course. Mm-hmm. And in your Project Serpo book, 
you do cover those uh, boxes uh, worn on their uh, belts. And and I I was just wondering, was there any type of connection to those Purses or handbags that you know, people talk about. It's like, you know, uh, what are these devices that these you know, hybrid uh, animals are holding in the Sumerian artwork? Is there something? Is there some kind of connection? I, I, I was just wondering if, if there is something. You talk about the. Across the, you're talking about the ancient uh, holding the holding the, uh, the the cross hand, holding the cross in their hand. Is that what you're talking about? It's more like the handbag. Have, have handbag. you seen that? There's like a little ha- uh, uh, purse or something. I was just wondering, it, it, is there some type of connection? I, I was just. I was just kind of uh, thinking off the top of my head. I, uh, I know it's the the, bo- the the boxes on the belts are in, in your Serpo book. Oh, you talking about Serpo? The Serpo? Uh, yeah. That's not. Well, they they were just they were just wore on their belt. They were in, they were concerned about radiation. They were radiation counters because they did absorb a lot of radiation on Serpo, and. Um, Unfortunately, I think a lot of most of them did die basically young because of that after they got back. Is that what you're talking about? Radiation? Yeah. They, yeah. Well, that, that was that's that that was all about. Huh. They had devices. Okay. They had devices to measure radiation on Serpo. There was there was much more radiation on Serpo than there is on this planet. They had okay, two it, suns it, in the sky. They had two suns in the sky, and there was a lot of uh, radiation. I, I, that, that, that I was just going to say that uh, uh, you know, the the diaries co- cover uh, you know, the two sons. Uh, you know, they were also dealing with it, it was about uh, 140 uh, degrees during the day, and yeah, it was very hot. Basically, very hot on the planet. Yep, very hot. In fact, they. Uh, it was too hot for them. They had to live underground for a long time. But uh, the aliens built them a civil built them a uh, colony in the northern hemisphere. Eventually, where where the temperature was much more moderate, and they could live comfortably there. But for the first for the first uh, five years, they lived in that um, basically the uh, part of the planet that was excessively hot. And they had to spend a lot of their time underground to stay cool. But eventually they did move to that they call what they call Little Montana, which was very moderate temperature with uh, lakes and pine trees like, and uh, it was much more comfortable for them. So they spent the last uh, uh, eight years there in that part of the planet. Okay, and... What's some of the information that was learned from this 
Project Serpo was um, the the weightless technology that was also used to build Stonehenge and the, the some of the monuments in um, Egypt. Uh, what was this? Yeah, the Evans the, the Evans had anti gravity technology. They they used it, uh, and uh, we learned a lot about it from them. But of course, they it, it was top secret here on this planet. But we we learned a lot about anti gravity um, from them, and uh, I think that's what you're talking about, right? Right. That uh, that that's exactly it. It, it was just. Uh, more very interesting information that you called from your sources to show how important this uh, intergalactic visit was. Oh yeah, it was extremely important and we learned a lot. learned a lot. That's why... uh... That's why they kept it top secret. Um, anything, whatever we didn't, whatever we didn't learn from Roswell, we definitely learned from Serpo. In fact, a lot of bio, basically, a lot of it was bio was about biotechnology, because they knew how to. They were cloning already, and they were creating creatures that uh, were. One of one of the one of the incidents on Serpo was when uh, the captain, the, the team leader discovered that they had taken the dead body of one of the Americans and combined it with one of the Evans and created a creature that was part part even and part human. And uh, he was so revolted by, by that that he said in his diary, he said, uh, I have seen the dark side of this civilization. But what he, was, what he thought was evil was really not evil. It was just part of it. That was part of their science program. Uh, their creating creatures that were that were uh, combined and um, they they took the parts of the dead American and uh, created this half half even half uh, half human um, but he thought he thought it was he thought it was evil and he said I've seen the dark side of this civilization in his diary yeah, and what you just mentioned about uh, oh, was it, uh, n- number three, you know, the passenger uh, 308 who uh, passed away on the journey to Serpo. Uh, and that takes us back to some of the you know, oldest artwork with the um, I think Sumerian and Egyptian hieroglyphs of um, half human, half animal. Um, well, to them, to them, it was just science. They didn't see anything evil about it. They would, they they had the ability to to um, to travel all over the galaxy and um, meet with 
civilizations all over the galaxy, and they would, would take parts of the creatures that they found and bring them back to Serpo and use them in their uh, biotechnology experiments. They didn't think there was anything evil about it. They just, to them, it was just technology. But our people, of course, uh, had never been exposed to this before. In 1965, we didn't know anything about DNA, really. And we didn't know anything mm-hmm. about... Uh, so uh, to, the, to, to, the, to the captain who wrote that in his diary, it was astounding, and it was he thought it was terrible that they would take two creatures and combine them, the DNA, and create mm-hmm. a... Create a uh, uh, but they... They brought a lot of that information back here, and it became part of our biotechnology here. We learned a lot from it, that. It, you know, well, and it, it, were were the de- depictions of the humans and you know the alligator head of from Egypt. It, it, did that show the uh, that kind of technology was being uh, used to create you know, these hybrids I think you know, the, thousands I think of years ago? I think the Egyptians were doing it. Yes, in fact, uh, there was there was some. Um, Things carved in, in the in, in some of the temples that showed creatures like that. Um, there was there was a, there were creatures that had a human body and a and a bird-like head and there were all kinds of mm-hmm. creatures that are depicted in the um, that are depicted in the hieroglyphics that, that indicate that the the ancient Egyptians knew how to do it and probably did do it. They create hybrids like that. Okay, well, it's just more. That's not surprising. That since, that's not surprising since we know that that the ancient Egyptian civilization was an offshoot of Atlantis, and we know that they right. had that ability on on Atlantis. So that's how they got it, really, um, because the the early Atlanteans were actually extra, extraterrestrials. So. That's where it came from. Yeah. Okay, well, you know, we're just kind of kind of coming full circle as we wrap up the show. Uh, you know, do you, do you have a website or a, a, any appearances coming up uh, where, where you're uh, going to be talking about uh, Dark Fleet or? Yeah. Anything you want to publicize? Yeah, well, I, I, I don't. I don't have any. I don't have any commitments yet to giving presentations. But uh, I have about eight more, eight more um, interviews to go through, and I do have a website. The, the website is brand new. It's a new website. I just created it recently. Uh, I'll give that to you now if you want it. Sure. Uh, it's it's called the name of the website is Alien Secret History. That's the name of the website, okay. and uh, it's still being constructed. Um, I'm going to add a lot more to it, but I had to. Re- I had to. I had to come up with a whole new, a whole new website because the old one was really uh, outdated, and um, the new website will cover a lot of new new things that uh, have not have been in my previous in my previous website. 
but that's a beginning anyway. Uh, one of the things on that on the new website are the three uh, videos, featured videos. I have three featured videos that are very would be very uh, informative. One of them talks about Corey Good. Another one talks about the Dark Fleet itself. And the third one talks about um, is basically an interview with Frank Chile. I don't know if you have, have you heard of Frank Chile, T H I L L E. No. No, no I don't. The third, the third video is an interview with Frank Chile, and it's extremely, extremely revealing. So I would recommend that that highly. And talks about Dark Fleet, and uh, but it's not complete. It's still under construction. Anyway, you can go out there and take a look at it. Okay, and uh, Dark Fleet becomes uh, um, available next week. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. It's going to be it's going to be published on on March the tenth. The, re- the review copies are out there, though. You've got one of them, didn't you? Did you get yeah. one of the review copies? Yeah. Yes, you, I you've have. Read, you've read that sitting right in front of book, me, right? Okay, yes. so you read the book, right? And um, it's a good one. But the, the official publication date is March the tenth, and that's okay. when it will become available on Amazon and on Inner Traditions and uh, and also Barnes and Noble. Okay, so there. Uh, check, check back next week at those three locations to get a copy. It's, it's worth the read. It's well, we're going to talk. We're going to be talking again on on the sixteenth, correct? Is that right? No, uh, you, you and Barbara are going to be doing that. Oh, oh, that's right. I, that's right. Barbara, yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, it, it, it's it, and I, I'm just I, I I was really impressed with Dark Fleet and I I, I enjoyed reading uh, the other two books for tonight's show. It's uh, you know really. Interesting history of how we can see these patterns of behavior appearing throughout uh, human history, and and trace it all back to uh, aliens. And it it really doesn't seem like it's really. An out there topic because it it it, it is covered in uh, the Bible as well as in, in the Book of Revelation also talks about uh, you know people living in the ground. Yeah, yeah, that was my purpose in in writing that first book and um, in writing the Alien Alien World Order was to give people some perspective that uh, while David Icke did talk about the reptilians and he was very, very did a lot of great research. Uh, the history was necessary of where they came from, why they were here, and what their current mm-hmm. interaction is with the human race. I, that, that's what I that's what I wanted to accomplish with that with Alien World Order, and I think I think I was able to do that. Oh, I I I I think you did, and you, you know you, you successfully argued uh, a you know very valid point that. Um, probably a lot of people have wondered about, and you know, we're now all starting to put all the pieces together. That's right. 
That's right, and we're on the brink of a tremendous technological level, uh, development, virtually a revolution. It's just around the corner. Uh, the computers we the computers we have today are going to seem like toys in a couple of years, believe it or not. <laughs> so okay. we we have we have to talk about that sometime too. Yeah, we'll get, well, to, that. We'll um, get to that. We'll get to that eventually. I, I, you could do that in a couple of weeks, and yeah, uh, yeah, you know, we could uh, about stop uh, there and you know uh, not. Uh, it cut cut you short on getting started on any uh, new uh, topics since you'll you'll be back in a couple weeks. I, you know, I just want to thank you for um, being our guest tonight, and look forward to he- hearing it on the 16th. And Barbara, do you want to uh, c- come in and wrap up the show? And uh, I hope you have a nice rest of your. Uh, birthday, and uh, I, I want to thank you again, uh, Len, for uh, being our my uh, my, fantastic my guest. My pleasure, and happy birthday, Barbara. Thank you both very, very much. I, I totally appreciate the well wishes, and thank you, everybody, for being here tonight. We so appreciate your sharing your time with us. Please check this out on YouTube and uh, all of our other shows, actually, as well. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe to it. We love to get good numbers there. Uh, we have two, two, two great shows next, next week, so uh, watch for us, look for us. And um, in the meantime, have a great week, good weekend, and join us again next week. Good night now. <laughs>